Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel comics on Sunday, May 10th, 2023. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for muffin. Yeah, or molars because my teeth are moving. If Ooh. I sound a little bit strange from now and for the next six months, it's because I've got uh, Invisalign on my teeth and mm-hmm. I got to wear them literally 23 hours a day. Hey, so no free ads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all right, let's keep this train rolling because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we give you some details and reasons to check out every new comic every week. It's going to be hype. It's going to be fun. We're going to get excited. Then we'll give you our three personal picks of the week. The three books we say, please, please, please check these out. We'll also tell you a bit about every other issue coming out this week. We're going to pull out a quote from one of the comics on sale this week. Use that to name our award. Give those awards to every single comic. It's going to be super duper fun. We'll also run through all the new Infinity comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some highlights from issues new to MU this week, and some picks for collections on sale. That ain't even it. What else we got, Jazz? Yes, we have a reading club with Alex Pacnadal. You might know his work from the current Red Goblin series. He worked on Carnage as well, and he is currently working on Carnage Reigns with Cody Ziegler. Um, We're going to be talking about Iron Man 182. And if you're wondering, hmm, why such a random issue? Stay tuned. We'll get to why. There is a connection between that issue and Alex's current work. So stick around for that. It's a a wild, wild story. Um, Yeah. Can't wait for everybody to hear all that. But we got to get into our picks of the week, starting with I am Iron Man number three. I'm going to just state this right here. These our, our pals who made this book, they're bastards. This one was a, a kick in the heart in all the best way possible. <laughs> it's written by Mirwa Ayodole and art by Dotan Akande and lettered by VC's Joe Caramagna. We've had Mirwa and Dotan on the show before. We love their work. We're very excited. And the I Am Iron Man series takes a look at Iron Man in different times of his life in different periods. We get to see him in different ways. There's a line in Invincible Iron Man, which I connect that we're also going to talk about this week, which I connect to this one in a little way is like the way that Tony thinks about his place and time and his memories is based on the suit he's wearing at the time. And I I sort of like, yeah, it's so good. And I had that running through my mind as I was reading this as well. Um, But this cover one, the, the, like the main cover by uh, Dotan is so good. You've got this iron Shogun and it is an Iron Man outfit that is like feudal Japanese inspired. He's got these flaming swords, but the cover also has this like, you know, a very anachronistic to that other, the rest of the image, this kid in a hoodie with his hands in his pockets. And you look at that and you're like, what is the story here? And it's such a great example of what a comic can and should do. You look at it, it's this beautiful image. It's really something that grabs you, but makes you question, wait, what? I need to read the story to figure out what's going on here. And it, it works. We dive in and we get the Iron Shogun. We get this cool story of um, and, and like an Iron Man with these swords. And there's this great shot of well, there, there's a whole bunch of like cool moments of of the Iron Shogun, as he's called, just slicing and dicing and in this feudal Japan vibe of a story. And the just the shots of bodies falling to the ground, cut to pieces is rad. There's really one in particular that I loved 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 it's a silent panel of the moment after tony slices through some monsters and like we've got the visual effects of the slashes his jet blast the pieces slice the energy like all of it comes together you can hear it feel it there's such a visual like impact to it it's so good we've been huge fans of the work of these fellows before and still are again the designs for iron shogun and roadie's character the warmonger beautiful like Marvel Legends, fam. Please. Right you, Please. You've got clear, great designs. You can put this in anything. The the Marvel Games team is always, I know, Bill Roseman and them are oh. always looking at the comics to figure out cool versions. Yeah. Right here, put these in a game. They're so good. And as I was reading the book, I was like, hmm, I bet it's XYZ that happens. And then you get to the moment where XYZ is, is revealed. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I got so excited. Yeah, it was so good. It was just a ton of fun. And it's like this big, fun, cool story. And then 
it's like you're just you're like dancing and someone who's like twice your size runs up and punches you in the stomach so hard and you double over you can't breathe because it's a lovely story but it is a heartbreaker it is a lot it is a wonderful story i will i don't want to say i don't want to give anything away no, I just don't think, give it away yeah if you want something that that really hits what we love about marvel humor and it has got emotion it's got great character moments it is beautifully rendered visually uh it is weird it has got heroic moments for characters you didn't expect this is your jam all right we have to talk about this next issue because this issue goes so hard it is x-men red issue number 11 it's written by al ewing with art by stefano caselli and jacopo kamani colors by federico blee and letters by vcs ariana mayer this is another storm i'm hesitant to call it a storm centric issue because it as much as it is a storm centric issue i feel like it's also a xavier centric issue but it's told through the like the view of storm which i think is really really cool because if you know anything about Professor X, it's that he's a jerk. And this issue continues to ride that train. This opens up with Storm on Arako going on a date uh, with a character that we met a couple issues ago in X-Men Red. Um, and like she first off like just floats down from the sky in this like gorgeous, like, like I don't want to say storm themed gown because that doesn't help, but like it's like lightning just kind of like crawling up her like body it is gorgeous it's such a cool design like storm just continues to like slay and like have every single amazing outfit possible and like you know for a fact that like storm is jumbo carnations just like muse like he is designing everything for her and only her um but immediately that date is interrupted by professor xavier and it just gives you all the flashbacks of previous moments where xavier has also interrupted storm um, in the privacy of her own, you know, home or island or planet. But while that's going on, we also get to see one of my favorite moments, I think, in this book is Roberto Nova and then an Iraqi mutant named Kobach Neverheld. And he's just like this giant, like, armadillo. He's got little spikes, right? Yeah, it's like, like a plated back, but then also has like, looks like green, like, almost like grass growing out of his shoulder blades. I don't know how to explain it, but he is just this like badass, like warrior, just kind of, they're all just chilling in a hot spring, you know, enjoying the, the downtime. And, uh, in the middle, in the middle of all of this, like something big explodes in the distance and everyone gets up right away. And it's like, what is this? It looks like something from other world. We're not quite sure, but then we go back to, uh, storm and Xavier and we, we see storm arrive back on Krakoa and they have a, very difficult conversation um, that hinges on essentially the trust that they've built together over the years. Like a lot of history is revealed here. A lot of tensions that, you know, the two have had between each other. Uh, Professor Xavier is like very much like worried um, about, you know, all the stuff that's happened post uh, Sins of Sinister. Uh, he is very much having a mental breakdown and his love for, you know, Magneto is one of the things that are kind of just like he's holding on to and he's like, I, you know, Magneto was the person who knew me the most. And now that he's gone, like I, I need someone to talk to and Storm's like, sorry, I'm not your therapist. And I'm also not going to tell you what Magneto told me as he was dying. Um, but he did care for you. It's vicious. It's a vicious conversation. At one point, Professor Xavier tries to probe Storm's mind and we get this gorgeous double page spread. Like it's, it's like a montage of all these moments from their, their history it is so cool. It's so well done. It's intense. Uh, but man, and then we get a crazy reveal at the end of this issue. I'm not going to spoil it, but things are going down. It's going to get intense. If, if you're at all a Storm fan, this is a must read. Third pick of the week for us this week is Silk number one. Look, yeah, yeah. we love us some Silk. We love us some writer Emily Kim. This is a new number one. We are here to say get up on this before i get into the rest of the creative team gotta shout out that david nakayama variant holy moly this is a wild cover so beautiful everything that david touches is is wonderful but uh when you get into the book you are welcomed by a wonderful story again written by emily kim art by ig guada colors by ian herring and lettered by vc's ariana mayor and it 
you open the book and you're it's like not anything at all what you probably expected i know for me i was like wait what is this it's a hard-boiled la noir story it's got the hollywood land sign which lets you know it's like set in the the 30s or the 40s before the the sign sort of became just hollywood it's really cool and then below that it says starring cindy moon as the web-slinging ace detective silk and you've got this image of cindy driving an old timey um, car that has, you know, it's like a convertible um, Rolls Royce looking thing. And she's got her hood up just so cool, but getting into like this hard boiled story and it's her as a detective. And I am so into it. It, We also have the beautiful colors and tones. Um, There's a certain shading to it. It gives it a, a sepia tone to it in some ways, but amplified a little bit and, and, and given a whole lot of texture uh, by the art. Um, we get a couple of little like teases of something is amiss, obviously, because Silk is, is a contemporary hero, not uh, someone set in the, the 30s and 40s. But it goes through and we're just like, I'm into it. I'm, you know, we also get her outfit, which is when we see her like sort of in full, it's reminiscent a little bit of old school Black Widow. Yeah, it's um, so cool so cool with that long dress she's got the the stockings on a little veil uh, yeah the veil the high heels like and it takes her her core costume but just tweaks it just enough to fit the time it's so so rad we get deep into some genre stuff after that returning villains and different things we shift over into a western and we see like yeah stuff is really twisting and turning but i am immediately into whatever is going on here like seeing silk in one like other settings is super duper fun because cindy moon is just such a great character so well formed but then seeing her in peril in like how this is all set up is exciting because now i'm i'm completely invested in what the hell are they going to do to poor cindy if you've read the previous silk series you're like building on all the stuff but if you've not you're just coming in and seeing that there's all kinds of cool stuff to jump into great characters big uh there, there's some villains in here there's stakes for cindy it is a really wonderful first issue all right on to our award and community section because last week's award we celebrated may the 4th and star wars week with use your lightstabber use the furts uh which came from star wars issue number 34 yeah of course Paul Warren came in like middle of the night. Uh, books had just released digitally and found the quote. So good job, Paul. Mm-hmm. But we need to talk about this week's award name. Ryan, are you ready to hear what it is? I am. All right. This week's award name is the Hot Tubbing While the Galaxy Burns Award. <laughs> it's wonderful. So if you find the quote, screen cap it and tweet it to both Agent M, at Agent M and at Jasmine using either hashtag Marvel's pull list or hashtag okay to read pull list uh, or email us over at pull list at marvel.com. If you're the first, Ryan will reach out to you and get you a recent digital comic code of your choice. Um, and please make sure you mark your, your messages okay to read uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Make sure you write hashtag okay to read pull list. Uh, so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please give us their name and location so we can shout them out. Yeah. Um, but even if you are not the first one to find the quote, hit us up because we've got another way for you to win. We've teamed up with Marvel Insider to score some Marvel Insider points just for listening to the podcast. After you listen to the show, go to marvel.com insider and look for the Marvel's pull list quote of the week activity. You'll be asked to identify the correct quote of the week from the four choices which is going to be easy for you because you know the correct answer because you listened to the show and you didn't just read it on Reddit. We see you. Yeah. Choose correctly and you'll earn 500 Marvel Insider points. All right, let's get into the rest of our new comics this week and hand out that wonderful, wonderful new award. Starting with Amazing Spider-Man number 25. I was very close to picking this one. It's like going to break your heart, but this issue is the full unveil of what happened to MJ, how long she was in this other dimension, the origin of her family, how she got back, all of that. All of it. So, so good. But Superpowers? Her superpowers, why that's happening, how that's happening. But I'm going to give my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns award to the line, you can hug me sometimes if you want. Which is, I just like, I melted. I just absolutely was in a puddle 
such a great line so sad so sweet it hit me really really hard reminder that zeb wells kid can write everything really well he's pretty good next up we have captain marvel issue number 49 talk about just big gut punches and hitters like this issue also has some of the best writing that i've seen kelly just dish out like I am not looking forward to her run ending with the next issue, issue number 50, but this is the essentially the, the big brood fight finale, and she has so many characters in this book, and it's a Captain Marvel book, but she has so many characters in this book that she just does a wonderful job at weaving uh, their stories together. If you would have told me that I would have gotten like some closure or some more like, you know, development for characters like Hazmat or Rogue and Gambit here, like I would have never believed you, but I am so happy I got it here. It is wonderful, and... For that, I am very much giving Kelly my hot tubbing while the Galaxy Burns Award. What an issue. Really, really great. Mm-hmm. Issue 50 is going to destroy us. I can I can just feel it. I mean, I'm looking forward to it because I want more comics, but then that's the end of Kelly's run. I'm not right, ready. We can't talk about that right now. We got to go on to Cosmic Ghost Rider number three. Um, oh, man, there's there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. I uh, like having Valkyrie in the issue and we've, we've got these two ghost riders getting into the mystery of it all. Uh, I'm going to split my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns award between one, the fact that this comic has a fight with ear biting because that should happen in all fights. And then I'm going to give the other half of my award to the line. Why does this button even exist in relation to like a, bu- a button? And you, it's like one of those questions that makes perfect sense to ask. And I was like, huh, it's really funny. Stephanie Phillips is just like such yeah. a great writer and that so it's moments like that where it just makes me happy that she's writing for Marvel. All right. Next up, we have Daredevil issue number 11. I don't want to give anything away. The only thing I'm going to say is Matt Murdoch, like, holy, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, uh, because I'm going to give my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns award to Jason Lowe, who writes a backup story in this issue featuring Iron Fist. Lin Lai, uh, who was the Swordmaster previously, uh, but it is an issue that features him and Daredevil working together. But one of the things that I really liked is that like they both talk about you know working with working with pain that they're they're currently dealing with or like working through the pain essentially to be better, become better. Um, and it deals a lot with the fact that there are a bunch of iron shards in his like arms, uh, and every single time he punches someone, it hurts. Which like duh. Uh, but it's just a, it's a wonderful story and it's 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 some development that I've been really wanting to see from Lin Lai and like Jason Lowe is just killing it right now. He's I mean, all the stuff that he's been doing with the Infinity Comics and then like this short story, like we need to get him back on the show because I need to see some more work from him. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. We've got Extreme Venomverse number one up next. Um, this is I this is a lot of fun. It's just an anthology book giving us little snapshots into different multiversal stories and oh man um they're great they're the first one is like what if peter died in a church and eddie brock took up being spider-man so good i want more of that ryan north ryan north and paulo saquera so paulo has just been doing mostly covers for us and he does oh the like most amazing venom if you look at any of it like the venom lethal protector covers that's Mm -hmm. all paulo and they're so so good and like letting paulo that, you know what? I'm giving my hot tubbing while the Galaxy Burns Award to Paulo Saqueta to do yeah. this interiors. There's a swinging splash of, of Venom slash Spidey there. It is so rad. It's so good. There's also a story by uh, Mirko Andolfo and Nico Leon, which has a Venom family. There's a post-apocalyptic anime style thing going on. And it's like, reminded me of Battle Angel Alita. Uh, it's good. I, this is the kind of symbiote stuff that I'm, I'm into. It is not mm-hmm. just total murder. It is cool Marvel stories with heroics and drama and, and, and all the stakes and everything without it just being blood and gore. I'm not necessarily into the blood and gore as I get older. I want this. This was, this was really good. All right. Next up we have ghost Rider issue number four. We finally get a little bit of like, you know, backstory what's going on with Danny catch. And like, I gotta say like, what is wrong with this man? This man keeps, you know, keeps getting in himself into the dumbest, stuff that i've ever like he's just like i'm a superhero but also just a giant idiot and i'm gonna keep falling into these giant holes and get manipulated again and again and again but anyway i'm gonna go ahead and give my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns award to the sexy steamy shower scene in this issue because i was like 
oh, you guys are having fun here. And it's 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 pretty steamy in the uh Sleep Like the Dead Inn. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, all right, on to Invincible Iron Man number six. Oh, we love this book. It's so good. Um, like Again, I talked about it earlier, but the, the concept that Tony doesn't remember when things happen based on years, but on what armor he was in is so stupid good. I love it. Uh, I will say I'm going to give my Hot Tubbing While the Galaxy Burns award to just the, the concept. This is a fun flashback issue to Tony and Emma back in the day. There's a little bit of flirting, but also like establishing their relationship and you get to see how she manipulates the hell out of stuff. And Juan for Gary drawing all the villains. His Rhino is incredible. His Emma is beyond sexy. Like his characters look so cool. He is really coming to his own in this series. Yeah. I'm also going to take us to miracle man by Gaiman and Buckingham, the silver age number five. I would, I'm going to give it to the creative team for, for continuing to rock and roll the series. I believe this is the first full issue done brand new. Parts of the others were done years ago, like 30 years ago. Even layouts for number four were done in 93, whatever. This is all new and it still feels very continuous. And it's a gorgeous and sad story as young Miracle Man looks looks for answers and his identity. And it's got a cool um, backup of like they use some of the original Marvel Man stories by Mick Anglo in here in a really cool way of, of miracle man trying to like think about the past and look into the past to figure out what he can do to help his friend. Good stuff. Love it. All right. Next up we have Rogan Gamut issue number three. And again, it's another Stephanie Phillips, amazing, like just joint. Uh, but one of the best things that happens in this book is there's a text page, a text page that features a text chain between rocket raccoon who is saved on Rogue's phone as Rocky and Rogue. And she is very much just asking Rocket for love advice and relationship advice. And I love this idea. I love mm -hmm. the fact that Rogue is like texting Rocket being like, hey, so let's like, have you ever, ever had this happen? Or like, you know, I'm just having some relationship issues. And he's just like, I think you have me mistaken with somebody else. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to talk to you about this. Um, and it's, I don't know, like, it, it feels like at first it feels weird because it's like this is such a weird mixture of characters. But then like as, as a text chain goes on, you're like, oh, these characters love each other. And it's really cool. It feels like two best friends texting each other. But it is it was it is so funny. Um, and for that, I'm going to give them my hot tubbing while the Galaxy Burns Award. On to Spider-Gwen, Shadow Clones number three. This series is really freaking good. And mm -hmm. um, I'm loving the hell out of it. I want to give the Hot Tubbing While the Galaxy Burns Award to um, all the chill moments, the character stuff in here. I like the battles. We got stuff with um, Gwen and uh, the, the clones, like fighting the other clones and, and the mystery and, and seeing who the mastermind is and all that stuff. It's great. But my favorite stuff about this is all the character stuff where like Gwen and her good clones are like just talking and and having fun. We've had so many years of clone stories and the, the chaos and the calamity and the heartbreak of clones. And I get it. But at the same time, it's a version of you who's here. It's like celebrate it. Love yourself. Love the other version of yourself. Make sure that they feel welcome because wouldn't you want to feel welcome? Ah. It's really fun. All right. Next up, we have Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis issue number two. There's so much that is happening in this book. It is wild. I mean, character designs in this book, intense, insane. But I want to give my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns award to Blade 2099 because that design is really rad. And I'm, I'm kind of here for it. I'm into it. Hell yeah. All right. We got a pair of Star Wars books for you this week. Star Wars Darth Vader number 34. There's a really cool opening splash by Adam Gorham. You got Vader's in the midst of a sandstorm, pieces of him fluttering away. Powerful. Looks super cool. I am going to give my Hot Tubbing While the Galaxy Burns Award to Vader embracing the hate, embracing the rage. Hell yeah. It is wild. I know some, some folks are just like super into the villains. Like that's their thing. And that's fine. If you are into the villains... This is your jam. This issue is all about that. Holy moly, especially that final page. 
We've also got Star Wars The High Republic number 9 out this week. This is a big action-packed issue. Battles and mind control and dark side weapons and lightsabers. I'm going to give my hot tubbing while the galaxy burns to just saying to hell with the force. All right, last up, we have Wolverine issue number 33. God, I hate Beast so much. He's such a jerk. I mean, I already complained about Professor Xavier, but Beast in this issue just continues to just like be the most despicable version of the character I've ever met. Like, I think he might be worse than some of these villains that we've had cause destruction during this Krakoa era. But I am going to go ahead and give my award to Jean Luen Yang, who writes a backup story at the end of this issue is uh, well I, I love these backup stories we have like a couple of them this week and they're really like awesome introductions to certain characters but it is a backup story featuring wolverine and sister dagger who mm-hmm. we met during jean luen yang shang chi series and just to kind of see her you know interact with the rest of the marvel universe outside of the five weapon society is just really really rad to see okay yeah this is a wider tapestry of characters and like we're going to get to see some of these characters interacting with like other characters um but just having her just kind of like go toe-to-toe with wolverine on like just quips and one-liners and like not even one-liners but just digs like literal digs at each other because she's just like oh your claws are stuck to your hands that sucks watch me throw my knives like across the room hell yeah yeah i I just gotta reiterate those extra stories that we're getting right now so good. I'm so glad we get that. All right. On to collections on sale this week. We've got uh, a whole bunch of cool stuff in here. A new alien trade. The Namor the Submariner Conquered Shores collection, which rules. We talked about that. Um, some new printings of some great uh, big collections and plenty more. Find them at your local comic shop. Hopefully you all went to Free Comic Book Day as well. It was great. Woo! Uh, and then over in Infinity Comics, we have a handful of new books. We have X-Men Unlimited 86, which is the new arc of X-Men Green. Um, we have Avengers Unlimited 45, which is Avengers and Guardians team up. We have Spider-Verse Unlimited 49, Marvel's Voices, Iron Fist and Pay, Infinity Comic issue number 52, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Jewel of Death issue number two, Love Unlimited, Aaron Fisher, Captain America, Infinity Comic issue number 49, uh, which is a brand new arc. And then we have... Little Rocket, issue number one, which is a brand new series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also released on MU this week, the comics that came out February 1st this year, including our picks of the week, Dark Web Finale, number one, Legion of X, number 10, and Scarlet Witch, number two, plus first issue of Rogue and Gambit is now in Marvel Unlimited, uh, the first issue of the Star Wars, Sana Staros issue, so good, Silver Surfer, Ghost Light, number one, Venom Lethal Protector 2, number one, so a whole bunch of great books over in MU for you. And then Jasmine, are you ready for the backlist that the, the, like the, the older books that we're adding into MU this week? There's only one that matters. We'll get there, but we've got a whole bunch of issues of Spider-Man 2099, filling a big gap there, 39 through 46, the giant size Gwen Stacy that uh, was released that sort of like came out because of the pandemic, some guidebooks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is co- super cool, random issue of Inhumans, then, First appearance of Red Wolf in Marvel Spotlight number one. Then Marvel graphic novels. We've got three Marvel graphic novels going into MU this week. There's, I mean, I only want to talk about one. I don't know which one because like all three of them should be up your alley. I mean, they're all up my alley. But OK, so there is Marvel graphic novel issue number 18, which is a sensational She-Hulk story by John Byrne. Very excited yeah. for that one. I haven't read Which is that really good. That, that one is, is excellent. We have Marvel graphic novel issue number 16, which is The Aladdin Effect by David Michelinie and Greg Rock. Uh, it features Storm, She-Hulk, Tigra, and Wasp, which is like amazing. Love it. I mean, come on. But the one that is the most important above all. Yes, yes, yes. It is easily one of the best stories ever told. It is Marvel <laughs> graphic. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Marvel graphic novel issue number 12, Dazzler, the movie by Jim Shooter and Frank Springer. My heart. I mean, yes. Uh, what a treasure that we get to have this in MU to read for all time. Finally. I mean, they can God just bless. shut the app down once everybody reads it. Like, really? There's nothing else you need. Yeah, if this does not become one of the hottest comics in MU, then somebody is doing something wrong. Please spread the word. Read Dazzler, the movie graphic novel. The gospel. It should be just really be called that. <laughs> the gospel. Oh, my God. Marvel all gospel right. novel. All right, 
let's keep this train rolling because it's time for our reading club. What do we got this week? Yes, uh, you are stepping out. I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. to buddy of the show, Alex Pachnadel, about Iron Man issue 182, uh, which is a short story called Deliverance. Uh, very exciting stuff. We're going to get right into it. Today, we're going to be talking to Alex Pachnadel, uh, who is the writer of the current Red Goblin series. He's also worked on Carnage, and he's also working on the Carnage Reigns uh, event that is happening right now with Miles Morales, Red Goblin. With, with the great Cody Ziegler. Yeah. How's that like? Like, working, like, how does co writing work? Well, honestly, uh, Cody's so busy, it's it's kind of sort of snatched Zoom conversations here and there, but like you always come away with gold because, you know, Cody obviously works in, in a, in a, you know, it's, it's an equally high pressure environment, but it's a very different kind of high pressure environment. So it's always very kind of like if you're coming up against a sort of story problem, you're not sort of teasing it out over sort of 15 minutes. It's very much that kind of writer's room approach of, well, what about this, 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 and this? And you just kind of go, whoa, okay, I see why you're in LA and I'm in London. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're not here to talk about Cody. We're here to talk about you. And you talked about, you know, you just finished saying that you're from London. You're in London. Uh, We met at C2E2 this past uh, couple of months ago, actually. And one of the first things you showed me when you were there was like, this is where I am from. And you showed me a picture of what looked like your, like, essentially your, like, view from your, like, house. <laughs> like, can you describe us, describe exactly where you're from and, like, just give us a little bit of background. Okay, well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm from London. I'm a Londoner. Uh, but I, I live right now. I mean, I always say London because it's an, it's an easy shorthand. And also, like, I live in a country that is basically London and some other bits. Um <laughs> But so so I, I live in the north in the north of England, like just at the sort of foothills of what's called the Lake District, which is like where William and Dorothy Wordsworth used to sort of you know uh, write some you know write stuff about daffodils. Like that's that that's basically where I am. Yeah. Um, and, and meanwhile, you're writing about symbiotes and carnage. Well, it, you know, it was it was weird because I got my first Marvel work through during lockdown, right? Okay. So yeah. you know, I was very much in this. It, it's hardly, you know, like a, a like a shack, you know, or, or by a hill. Like it's a, it's a it's a reasonably sort of large community. But I just uh, Darren Shan uh, brought me onto Empire, I think January of twenty. So it was like right before, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I was just finishing up the I was I was just finishing up the kind of Celestial Messiah one shot, which is the first thing I ever did. Um, and you know, big, big sort of big shout out and hugs to Al Ewing for kind of recommending me for that. Um, yeah, it's just a, a, a lovely thing. And, and also like, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get sort of dark, but it was, it was a lovely thing to have happen like at that time. I mean, I know like, you know, everyone was kind of having a really bad time and, and, and it was, it was grueling, but it was I feel like in a weird way, kind of having that thing that I'd always kind of, you know, professionally that I'd always kind of sought, you know, ever since I was, you know, yay high. To, to have that happen at such a difficult time, I think was a real sort of like, not, yeah, not to get too real, but like a real sort of emotional lifeline just to kind of have, oh, right, like, you know, yeah, there's this terrible thing happening, but like, I can, I can keep myself busy with like, this escape, That's you know. That's real. That's real. I mean that that show that 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 we that we met C two E two that was the first time I've kind of come into contact really with anyone who's kind of read any Marvel stuff that I've done because I've just, it's just been sort of me like in my office kind of working away throughout the whole you know the whole sort of tenure of my time kind of working with Marvel so it was kind of the first time I got that kind of feedback and like it was just after I'd done the um, the sort of how to break into comics the Marvel way panel with like uh, Devin Lewis and, and CB. And yeah, this this kid came up with with a copy of Red Goblin, and like weirdly, like I don't know what it is about it being a kid, but that was the first time. I was like, oh, it's real! It was the first time I kind of oh wow, like yeah, this is this is a conversation. You know, it was great. That's amazing. How far into your career were you at that time? Oh man, like honestly, uh, like about five years, right? Like I mean, I've been doing this since 2015. Um, That's still awesome. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. You know, but I, I, I think it's uh, if I'm if I'm honest with myself, I mean, I would say like I, I don't think I was necessarily ready earlier. I think it's 
I'm not a big one for kind of magical thinking, but I do think that professionally things sort of tend to happen when they're supposed to. I think that what you were saying about like, this is weird because like, again, I don't want to make this a super dark podcast, but like the idea of the, you know, things happening at the, at the right moment or the right time, like things happen for a reason, I think fits into the theme of the book that we're going to be talking about, uh, which is Iron Man issue 182, which I yeah. had never read. Um, and I read it twice because I was just like blown away by how powerful it was, um, but also how heavy it is. Um, yeah. Minus minus James Rowe just coming back from Secret Wars, like yeah, right? Da-da-da. Like it's just like, oh hey, what I miss? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Tony's almost death. Uh, but real quick, the book is written by uh, Denny O'Neill with pencils by Luke McDonald, inks by Steve Mitchell, colors by Bob Sharon, and letters by Rich Parker. The cover is also done by Luke. And if you're not familiar with the cover, it in big bold letters underneath like a, a sad Tony Stark is in the morning, Tony Stark will be sober. And then on the side it says, or dead. And I'm like, wow, how dramatic. But which is, which is almost kind of at odds with the content of the book, right? Because yeah. it, it's, um, I mean, like ge- genuinely like hand to God, like I, I found that in my dad's collection when I was a kid. Um, and the reason I kind of picked it up was the cover because it's such a, you know, it, it uh, like, I mean, now obviously, you know, years pass and you sort of pick and you get, you know, you get a, you get a sort of a bit more of a sort of sense of nuance. You go, okay, well there's, there's a hell of a lot of Frank Miller in there. There's a hell of a lot of Will Eisner, I would say in that cover design, just the way it kind of uses, it uses sort of architecture very kind of theatrically, that sort of proscenium arch of the sort of the alleyway and stuff. Um, but it kind of draws you in immediately and you've got this sort of tiny lonely figure of Tony Stark at the bottom of this sort of like almost like I mean it's just it's it's supposed to look like a sort of like a bottomless well right like a crevasse like he's at the bottom of a crevasse like I was gonna say that and also it it reminds me a lot of like a tombstone almost yeah yeah and it's it's very like dark and like but it it fits the themes of this issue uh it's titled deliverance and as we get into it a little bit more um, it pretty much just follows Tony Stark, like during one of the coldest days in like in the middle of a snowstorm in New York City, um, as he's trying to find, you know, he's pretty much homeless, searching for his his homeless friend Gretel. Um, and he's very much like an alcoholic and he's dealing with this. And he's pretty much told that if he stays out all night, you're probably not going to make it in the morning. I think the, the term that they use is stiffs, uh, as yeah. in stiff corpses. And it's just like, oh, man. He ends up finding Gretel. She's pregnant. She's in labor. And she gives birth to this child in the middle of, like, the night. And she passes away while Tony pretty much protects the baby from dying um, until the morning when officers find him and they take the baby and him to the hospital, uh, which is a wild synopsis for an Iron Man story. Like, just to, like, hear that right now. What did you think of this when you first read it? Well, I mean... I, I was a kid, right? So, and it, it's one of those weird things. You know how kind of um, when you're a kid, you read things that you're not quite ready for, but they kind of, they get their hooks into you. And when you're older, you, weirdly, you get kind of a weird head start in terms of, of how you kind of process them. And you realize, oh no, this is actually like a foundational kind of text, right? Um, because it, it, it's weird, like it's not quite a one shot because it is a culmination of a storyline that you've been seeing, a sort of like notional sort of sequel to like Demon in a Bottle or whatever. But it is kind of a one shot, and I was kind of I was looking around at like I was thinking, oh, okay, we so, say you know what are the kind of what are the Marvel books that kind of really rewired me as a human being, and they're all kind of one shots, but kind of not in the way that they still have to be, you know, like they were like a one shot is not the same as a fill in you know, they're still sort of, as you say, you know, Rhodey like comes back from secret wars. It's like, Hey guys, what I miss. So you still have that kind of connective tissue, which can sometimes be a bit incongruous, but you still have these occasional like, okay, well look over here. And, 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 and it, and it, it just hit me that those are the, the sort of the Marvel stories that have always been most impactful to me. And I like, I made like, it's a very short list, but I was thinking like, um, you know, daredevil one, six, nine, right. Where, you know, bullseye has got the brain tumor. He's seeing everyone, as Daredevil, that's pretty much like a done in one. 
but it's just it, like it's absolutely transformative. Um, X Factor eighty seven, like the one where they're like all in therapy. That is one of my all time favorite issues. It's yeah, I mean, I mean, but like even like compositionally as well, like what Casada's kind of doing just with the page, right? Incredible Hulk three seven seven, the one where all the kind of the Hulks are integrated. It's wild. It's just um, all the disparate kind of Hulk personalities are all kind of basically vying for control in Bruce Banner's mind. And the whole, like the whole issue is this sort of like, you know, Doc Sampson sort of in, in Bruce Banner's mind. Um, and they're kind of going through Bruce's childhood. I mean, I, I must admit, like I've riffed on some of that for kind of Red Goblin with all the sort of cutaways to like the internal mindscape. But it's basically like, you know, you see the various kind of Hulk manifestations. So like when, when he's a little kid, he'll just turn into like the big green Hulk when he's throwing a tantrum. When he's a teenager, kind of, you know, like he, like he, he like he, he strikes out with a girl, like he turns into the gray Hulk. Cause that's his kind of like tantrum, like teenage boy self and stuff. And they all kind of end up getting integrated. And again, that's a culmination of a storyline, but you can, I read that on its own. I just picked that because um, newsstand comics in the UK it was luck of the draw or whatever you, you know, you'd go to like the drugstore or whatever and you wouldn't get things in sequence. It would be kind of whatever came with a shipment. Right. And that was one that I kind of just picked up, but yeah, all for, in one way or another, in one way or another, just one shots just get to me. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about Iron Man a little bit more because you, you mentioned some of these books on your list. There's, there is something that I want to get into because there is a tie or connection from this book to what you're writing in Red Goblin. Before we get there, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about first was like the, the idea of movement and the art that we see here, because there isn't a whole lot of action that happens in this book. Like it, all we mm. really see is Tony Stark walking around, kind of looking for her, his friend. And even when we get the delivery of the baby, like we don't really get to see a whole lot. But like, I, I'm curious, like what what your thoughts on that were, like how how these things were depicted. I mean, it's a lot of snow, but like it's pretty impressive. I think it, it it's. Um... Snow, I think, is great for um, if you know if you set something in a snowscape, you compositionally you've just got all open panels, right? Like that's so you can you can draw the eye. I think much more uh, deftly, much more kind of adroitly. You can use snow drifts to kind of focus kind of people's attention and everything. But I mean, one of the things that I picked up on this, um, I'm sure you did as well, was just. Um, there's a load of either nine grids or kind of yes. uh, of or partial nine grids or, or partial grids. And I mean, one of the things that really struck me is it was sort of using nine grids for kind of quite aggressive decompression, you know, so the whole thing, okay, so, you know, we'll cut to, you know, there's Tony kind of drinking, then we'll kind of cut to the bottle, Tony kind of wiping his chin and then the bottles on the ground and like during the birth sequence that you mentioned, like oh, there's a bit where he just throws yeah. the bottle away and then it's just kind of lying there kind of, you know, and the liquid's kind of chugging out, which is obviously a kind of tremendously sort of symbolic moment because, you know, you can't go kind of, you know, Miracle Man issue nine with it or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, just using kind of every trick in the book really to kind of keep it yeah. sort of visually engaging and... I mean, one of the things as well, I mean, Dan Waters was kind of saying this the other day, you know, you use nine grids generally when you want to be really, really, really prescriptive because you've effectively got three page turns on one page because there's no kind of focal point, right? Um, and it's, as you say, you know, it does cut to Rhodey, I think, about three quarters of the way through the issue. So it's incredibly compressed. So using the grid is basically a way of decompressing it within a very compressed space and i mean one of the things that really struck me just rereading it sort of in preparation for this was this could very easily have come out last month yeah it doesn't show its age very much at all um that was what really struck me about it and and then you kind of go okay like there's a reason why this kind of lingered in, in my imagination you know over and above the kind of uh, uh and, but it, it is that thing as you say you know once you sort of really get into sort of the the uh, once you really get into craft you know you realize that there's a very kind of, um, I mean, I don't want to sort of, you know, take the poetry out or anything, but there are functional, almost mechanical reasons why these things stay in your brain. You know, these are things that can be engineered. You know, if you craft a story properly, 
um, it stays with you, right? Like it's it's a delivery yeah. system. Um, yeah. And I think that was the thing that really struck me about this because, yeah, you know, as you say, like what really happens in this issue? Like he goes into like a liquor store, you know, buys some absolute awful gut rot uh, and like almost like off panel, like delivers a baby. But, you know, but it also has that thing of like, I mean, I know this is, sorry, if this sounds hyperbolic, like I apologize, but there's a way to do, you know, when, when drama is handled really effectively, the, the empathy stakes are so high. It's like, like if, if Tony doesn't make it to morning, like none of us will. Yeah. There, there, there's a phrase like, sorry, this is getting very pretentious for a second, but I just think it's so lovely. Uh, uh, Gaston Bachelard has this, 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 this term, intimate immensity. Ooh. And I, like this, like I, that, this issue of Iron Man, I think is, is, is almost the kind of textbook. I would say it's the textbook definition of intimate immensity. Very little happens, but it's like, if you don't make it, <laughs> we're all doomed, yeah. you know? It's so, it, yeah, I agree. Like the empathy that you feel for Tony in this issue, even like, cause that's the thing that blew me away was it starts off with him drinking and like selling his coat for alcohol and like being told like, Hey, like you like here's 10 bucks if i were you i would spend this on a hotel room for the night because you're not going to make it out on the streets and the first thing he does is go straight like he walks past the hotel and you watch him buy a, a bottle of alcohol and so it's like right off the bat you really feel like the writer doesn't want you to have this empathy for him like like he's literally taking none of the advice that anybody is giving him he doesn't care like he even at one point says that he's celebrating the end yeah. of his life or whatever like he's ready to go and then you get this moment where he's reunited with gretel his, his friend and she's giving birth and it's like now like the stakes are up like it's like no i want you to survive like you have you're iron man you're a hero like come on do this thing and it's just again it's very poetic and very just like wild but it's also like i mean and this just because th- th- there's all those kind of uh lovely sort of Denny O'Neill kind of reveries about the sort of the significance of his armor. And Yuri's kind of saying, you know, the first thing I did, you know, with my genius was to kind of, you know, encase myself in a shell, you know, so I wouldn't feel anything. And now, you know, I have this, so I don't feel anything. And it just occurred to me as you were saying that, and again, you know, maybe I'm kind of just reading too much into it, but like he turns himself into a suit of armor around the baby. Yep, he really does. That's wild. Yeah. Just, I didn't think about that either until now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy the baby survived. But um, I want to talk a little bit more about this baby. Sure. I think he's only made like one other appearance. Maybe Iron two. Man 200, I think. Yeah, one, not 199, yeah. 200. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where we get the name. His name is Timothy Anders. Yeah. And Timothy Anders also appears in Red Goblin, issue yeah. number two for the first time yeah. in like forever. Um. And it's fascinating because I went back and reread that issue because you had told me that like that baby is in your book. And I was like, okay, I vaguely remember who he is. And then like when I went back and reread it before talking to you today, it was just so cool to see how you like implemented it, like how you kind of revealed who he was. Like one, you you meet him as Tim. And then he talks about like how he's on full like star scholarship. Yeah. And I'm like, that's pretty clever. Like, that's really cool. Cause like Tony would have done that. Like he would have been taking care of him and he's going to school with Normie, who is the, the main character of your story. And as the issue moves on and we get to issue three, we realize that the hobgoblin tears Normie's school jacket, which Timothy gave him to yeah. kind of like protect himself. Like here, your stuff's all messed up. Here you go. After getting bullied or getting beat up in the, in the bathroom by bullies. And like, now he's like at risk of getting hunted down by the hobgoblin and i'm like i've never cared more for this like random child in my life <laughs> like I, like we can't he, he can't have made it through a winter storm in new york city and not make it past you know the second grade or whatever however old he is now in this book um uh, thank you uh first of all yeah um like it, it was a weird one. I mean, I, I remember when, you know, when I first sort of started discussing the book and, and I know this sounds weird, but um, I, I mean, I, I, and again, sorry to get sort of dark on the podcast. Like, I mean, um, this is a dark uh, podcast already. There you go. Um, you know, I, I, long ago, but you know, I do have a sort of a history of like um, substance abuse issues. Um, and that, that issue 
as 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 mawkish as it sounds, like I always kind of held that up as a bit of a pole star. It kind of it really helped me, like in you know during my recovery. Um, so I kind of made myself a promise, like a long time ago, that like if I ever kind of if I ever got my shot at Marvel, like if I ever had an opportunity, like I would I would check in on that kid. You know, that's awesome. Um, and it was just sorry. Yeah, I, I know this sounds really kind of sentimental, but it was just a thank you, I guess. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, you know, that, that, that it's hard to kind of overstate kind of what that issue kind of means to me, um, for all sorts of reasons. It's been there kind of my entire life and then, yeah, to kind of check in on him. And it was, it was just that thing of, cause I remember that, you know, like the sort of fan sites, you know, that sort of fill in the, um, the sort of character bios and everything. And I found one about that kid and someone had just, you know, very kind of glibly written, you know, here's Tony Stark's kid that like he abandoned for 40 years. And like, but I was just, I, I just wanted to have this like very like upfront declaration. Like, no man, like he's been, he's just been like, he hasn't been in his life, but he's just been like taking care of him this whole time. Um, yeah. And just like making sure he's okay. And like, you know, he's paying for his education, you know, he's got a ride and everything. He has no idea that he's got this benefactor. It's just, you know, it's just, it's kind of happening in the background. No, that's awesome though. Cause like, I don't know, like I feel like as, as a Marvel reader and like a Marvel reader for a long time, like. I know a lot of fans who are like this. Like they like to know that the people who are writing these books like have that same love and appreciation, that deep lore and history with and knowledge of like the Marvel tapestry. What like no matter where you came from or like what like corner of the Marvel universe you like are writing in or started reading in first, like just being able to connect those dots. Like that to me is like such a valuable thing. But you know, it's it, it's a funny one because the continuity conversation is one that I find absolutely fascinating because Same. it's there's two modes, by the way, uh, and I'm not placing any particular emphasis on either one. You know, like I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but I think it, it, it's really interesting that there's almost kind of there's two kinds of continuity, right? There's the like cartographer's continuity, which is like I want to see this. Uh, I want to see the map, right? I want to see the territory and, you know, I want to see, you know, where that village is. And it's very kind of Tolkien-esque to me of, you know, and I, I want to see how that village relates to that and what it became and, you know, what its original name in kind of, you know, Anglo-Saxon was or whatever. And, yeah. and you know, there's, there's that level of continuity where um, you want to see how everything kind of links up and you want it to be smooth. Then there's the other kind of continuity, uh, which I think is a bit more kind of arcane, but where it's, oh, here's where, like, this character did this seemingly throwaway thing, like, in 1976. And then you check in with them again in, like, 2015 and you go, oh, no, there's, like, they've lived a whole emotional life from that yeah. moment, like, right up to here. And, like, that stuff, that's, to me, that, like, that's just, oh, it's just irresistible. It's just rich. Yeah. It's very rich. It's very, like, satisfying, especially because, like, like, I mean, for the readers of, like, Red Goblin, like, I'm sure that little kid who came to you at C2E2 had no idea that, you know, Timothy yeah. first appeared in this Iron Man issue. But, like, for the fans who are reading this book, you know, for the first time that, like, maybe have, like, you know, they picked up this issue, like, way back when. Like, all of a sudden you get that little, like, like nostalgia, like, wave or, like, dose of just, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, you can read this issue of Red Goblin and go back and read this issue of Iron Man. And, like, still get that same, like, you know, like, knowing that the baby survives, but also just knowing that Tony's still taking care of him before you read this makes it even just even more stronger, more, like, impactful. Well, it, it's weird because, I, I mean, I, I and I, I agree 100%, but I, I almost kind of started working for Marvel, like, on that basis, right? So, like, the first thing I ever did was um, it was an Empire tie-in called Celestial Messiah, and I basically just ended up going back and like reading a load of like Engelhart Avengers issues from the seventies yeah. and just almost like putting in contextually appropriate, like emotional beats that would lead like Koi to become this like galactic monster from like this childhood right. that he had in like Connecticut. And, but like, you know, little bits of, okay. So like, here's the bit where like swordsman joins the Avengers. Well, like, what if, like, he was just, like, hanging around in Central Park being super nervous before he went into Avengers Mansion? Like, let's, let's write that scene. And you can kind of oh, slot yeah. it in and just almost... But the, it's... it's The thing that I love about it is that it is so kind of additive. And, like, I mean, I, 
I was, I was saying to a friend the other day, you know, just kind of, you know, obviously, you know, writing indie comics and writing Marvel comics, very, very different disciplines. But, you know, what do you love about both? Well, you know, if you're writing indie comics, you're getting to kind of, you're going to create things from whole cloth. But I think the thing that I really love about working on this kind of material, right, is, is just, it's, the humility is kind of baked in, right? Like, you're, you're making sandcastles, right? Every one of us, you know, doesn't doesn't matter if it's me, doesn't matter if it's like you know fraction, doesn't you know doesn't it, 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 you, you, we're all making sandcastles. They will all be washed away, but if, but every now and then, like a little flag is left behind, and someone could come along thirty years later and pick it up. That's just amazing to me. That is pretty amazing. I like that. You know, we're not we're not, we're not making statues. Like none of us are making statues, and if you think you're making statues, you're not. Um, but you might get to, you know, yeah, you might you might get to sort of put like a little paper flag and then, you know, years later, someone you've never met might pick that up. That blows my mind. You know, to be part of kind of Marvel continuity is to be part of like a generational conversation, which is. Yeah, yeah truly. Um, OK, well, uh, before I let you go, one last thing. I mean, we're, we're, we're wrapping up. We talked a lot about Red Goblin, but. I do want to make sure we we highlight uh, your ongoing work with uh, Cody Ziegler, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but you're working on Carnage Reigns. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us about that? Okay. Well, uh, I think uh, by the time we've gone to air, the first uh, the, the the alpha issue uh, should have come out. Um, it's a, a seven part crossover between uh, Carnage. I'm taking the reins briefly from the great Ram V, and um, crossing over with uh, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Um, and the idea is, you know, M Miles and Cletus Cassidy have kind of come into contact before uh, in the sense that, you know, Miles was kind of uh, taken over by, you know, one of the kind of carnage spores. And, um, you know, we established kind of incontinuity that that's, that's been that's given him some sort of damage, like long-term damage, you know, basically. Um, I'm sensing like a, a trend here. You're, you're really into trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I had hair so I could kind of flick it at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm just really into trauma. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and um, basically Cletus... Uh, is separated from the carnage symbiote and instead he is housed in um what's effectively this weird sort of frankenstein together kind of hodgepodge like iron man armor mixed with a symbiote dragon so he has access to all this technology that he kind of didn't really understand before and so the substance of the kind of crossover is basically uh cletus like figures out how to use this tech uh, which like brings him into direct conflict with Miles uh, over one long and very sort of bloody night, uh, which is going to involve and, and it's going to drag in lots of kind of familiar faces. And uh, yeah, like I think it's a lot of fun. I can't wait. I can't wait for all the trauma. I can't wait for all the devastating blows that I, I, I know are going to come. Uh, based off of your you know, I, I saw uh, Cody's, you know, because Cody's bringing the whole thing home, um, and I, I looked at those issues the other day, and like it is just, I've never seen like Red Bull on paper before, but <laughs> like it's 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 great, it's great. I love it. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us on the show. Uh, I'm so upset that Ryan missed out on this, but uh, hopefully next time you're on, you'll get to meet him. Uh, where can people find more from you? I am at Alex Pachnadel on Twitter. Uh, hilariously or pathetically, I am Pachnadelia on Instagram. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Like I set up the account. Um, it was a different time. It was a different it was, time. Yeah. My hair was brown, you know. Uh, this was before the highlights. Got yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I could, I could see um yeah so uh yeah i'm on there and uh, apart from that uh uh I, I don't know you can have my phone number <laughs> all right I'll, I'll make sure to drop it in the show notes just below, drop it in so the show notes at the end yeah. yeah social security number all that perfect Pin. credit card number yeah, oh, 100%. yeah. <laughs> there's okay, nothing great there's nothing on there so you're welcome to it oh no <laughs> 
All right. Big thanks to Alex for coming on the show. Hopefully next time we have Alex back, I'll be able to join yeah. for those conversations. And it was so great. And, you know, we've been doing really wonderful work for us. So much appreciated there. That is it for us. This episode of Marvel's Polis was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada. Brad Barton is Polis Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pullist at marvel.com. You can also use the hashtag OK to read Marvel's Pullist on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the show because we need you guys to listen so that we can keep making more. So give us those five stars and let us know how we're doing. On. For more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash full list quote rules. Terms and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's pull list quote of the week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.